Hi, friends. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Good Morning Family, a podcast of my weekly sermons. Who knows? Maybe I'll throw in a special sermon for you every now and then. I hope this podcast is good news for you. If you find these words helpful, please rate and review my podcast on iTunes or on whatever host you found it. Thanks for your help and for being part of the family. And now, here's this week's sermon. Listen and enjoy. Good morning, family. In the church, our calendar calls us to follow and retell the story of Jesus from Advent and Christmas through Easter, which is April 4th this year, if you have your calendar out, and then Pentecost. So today is the day we mark the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River by his cousin, John the Baptist. This year, Mark is our primary source for the stories of Jesus. Last Sunday, I told you that Mark does not give us a Christmas story. Instead, Mark introduces us to Jesus while Jesus is standing in line to get baptized. So let's look at Mark chapter 1 this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. John the Baptist was in the wilderness calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. Everyone in Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went out to the Jordan River and were being baptized by John as they confessed their sins. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. He announced, One stronger than I am is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend over and loosen the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. About that time, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. While he was coming up out of the water, Jesus saw heaven splitting open and the Spirit, like a dove, coming down on him. And there was a voice from heaven, You are my son whom I dearly love. In you I find happiness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever seen the movie Finding Nemo? By now most everyone knows the storyline. Young Nemo, a clownfish, gets captured and taken away from his home on the Great Barrier Reef. Well, Nemo ends up in an aquarium in a dentist's office with a bunch of other exotic fish. Nemo's escape from the aquarium inspires the other fish to escape as well. When the humans clean the tank, they remove each fish with some water and put it in its own plastic bag. When no one's looking, each fish rolls its plastic bag across the counter, out the window, and down to the ground below. Across the road they roll until they drop into the harbor. And at the very end of the movie, I mean the absolute end, we see the fish floating in the bay, but still in their separate plastic bags. That's when one of the fish asks, Now what? Now what? That is our question for today. Now what? You see, the great drama of Advent is over. Mary and Joseph have gone to Bethlehem. The angels have sung. Jesus has been born. 
the shepherds have worshipped and gone back to their sheep. Baby Jesus has been dedicated to God in the temple, and now Christmas is over. Even the Magi have followed the star, worshipped the Christ child, and gone home by another way. That's all really great stuff. In fact, it doesn't get much better than that. But Christmas is over. How about you? Is your tree taken down and all the decorations boxed up? Christmas is over. And therein lies the challenge for every preacher today. Now what? What good news is left to be said today on the other side of Christmas? And it's not just frustrating for preachers. At this time of year, every year, we all realize something that we've hidden away for the past few weeks. We realize that for all of the fuss and fun, we're still waiting. After all of the carols have been sung, all of the presents given, after all of the glorious promises are read, and for all of the magic of the season, we're still waiting for Jesus. Still waiting for his kingdom to come. Still waiting for his church to thrive. Still waiting for his will to be done in the gray dryness of our souls. Here on the other side of Christmas, we find ourselves living in the same old world with the same old people and struggling with the same old problems. On the other side of Christmas, we can't help but wonder, now what? Here we are somewhere between the holidays and the ordinary days. We're right back at the start of another year. In fact, we're right back where we find ourselves this time every year. With Advent and Christmas tide, we begin our yearly retelling and reliving of the Christ story. So today's gospel brings us back to the Jordan River where Jesus's ministry began. And as we walk through his life, our journey will take us to Ash Wednesday and through Lent to Palm Sunday and Good Friday and ultimately to Easter Sunday. All that to say, we're back to where we were this time last year. It's almost as if Christmas never came at all. And if we're honest with ourselves, that feels about right right now, doesn't it? One day we're in Christmas and then before we know it, we're back in the wilderness. And we're back in line at the Jordan River waiting for what John the Baptist offers. Forgiveness for our sins and a thorough dunking in the grace of God. And yet, even as we're going under again, we know that sooner or later we'll be right back here holding our breath for a miracle. After all, that's the way it's always been. That's the way we've always been. Why should we expect things to be any different this year? And then Mark gives us the answer. About that time, Mark wrote, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. While he was coming up out of the water, Jesus saw heaven splitting open and the Spirit, like a dove, coming down on him. And there was a voice from heaven. You are my son whom I dearly love. In you I find happiness. When we ask, now what? Mark answers, now Jesus. And he gives us a glimpse of Jesus' baptism. A mother was at home with her two young daughters one lazy afternoon. 
Everything seemed to be just fine until the mother realized that the house was strangely quiet. And as every parent knows, a quiet house in the daytime can only mean one thing. The kids are up to no good. The mom began to get nervous. Then she heard her girl's hushed voices and then the flushing of a toilet. As she followed the sound, she discovered that the girls were in her bathroom. She listened, indistinguishable talking, flush. A moment later, more talking, flush. And then more talking again, followed by yet another flush. When mom peeked through the door, she saw her two daughters standing over the commode. One of them was holding a Barbie doll upside down by the ankles, and it was dripping wet. The other little girl had her pudgy fingers on the toilet handle. And what she heard was the girls repeating words they'd learned in church, sort of. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and in the hole you go. Flush. This is a true story. But you already know that, don't you? How do we know this story is true? Because it's your story. And it's my story, too. We know it's true because we know what it's like to have life grab us by the ankles and dangle us over the swirling waters of chaos, don't we? And we know that this happens in spite of our faith, and sometimes because of our faith. Just look at Jesus. What was the first thing that happened to him after his baptism? The Spirit whisked him away to be tempted by the devil. In the hole you go, right? Maybe that's why Mark tells the story of Jesus' baptism the way he does. As an encounter, an intimate encounter between Jesus the Son and God the Father. Did you notice that when the voice from heaven spoke, it did not say, This is my Son whom I dearly love? That's Matthew's version. No, according to Mark, the voice said, You are my Son whom I dearly love. In you I find happiness. Mark seems to imply that not everyone heard the voice of God speak. Just Jesus. For Mark, this baptism was not a spectacle for everyone else to see and hear. I think that Mark tells his version of Jesus' baptism story the way that he does because he wants us to know what it meant to Jesus before we try to figure out what it means for us. So what did baptism mean for Jesus? It did not mean that the Father would keep him out of trouble. He found that out even before he had a chance to dry off. And baptism didn't mean that things would work out just the way he had planned. No, it seems that what Jesus' baptism meant to him was that whenever he found himself in trouble, he would never find himself alone. That even when things did not go his way, he would still have his Father's blessing and the Spirit's company. And isn't that what his baptism means to us, too? So on this Sunday, when we remember the baptism of our Lord, we discover that Jesus' baptism means that we are not alone on our journey or in our wilderness. It means that God's love for us doesn't depend upon us. 
It means that God's grace does not wash off. Here's a thought. The baptism of Jesus means that whenever we find ourselves in a hole, we can be sure that God goes with us. They say that whenever Martin Luther, the reformer, found himself tired, depressed, and ready to give up, he would say to himself, Remember, Martin, you have been baptized. Remember, you have been baptized. Here on the other side of Christmas, that sounds like good advice for us. That sounds like good news, doesn't it? As we journey through this in-between time, when we ask, now what? As we straddle the world we hope for and the world we live in, we should also remember that we too have been baptized. And if you have never been baptized, well, then maybe you and I need to talk. So on this baptism of the Lord Sunday, let's also remember that Jesus was baptized too. He was baptized with us. He was baptized for us. And may the comfort that it gave him through all of his trials give us even greater comfort through ours. Amen? Now what? Now we pray. Good and gentle God, who at the baptism of Jesus in the River Jordan proclaimed him your beloved Son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit, grant that all who are baptized into his name may keep the covenant they have made and boldly confess him as Lord and Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, in glory everlasting. We pray for peace in our homes, our neighborhoods, our country, and in our world. Help us to be and to bring peace to the people around us. Again, we pray for our world and especially for all those affected and afflicted by the coronavirus. Give us your healing and protection, we pray. And now, using the words debts and debtors, let us pray with boldness the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Your job this week is to love at least three people and make sure at least one of them doesn't deserve it, okay? Because everyone needs to know that God loves them no matter what, right? Don't let these days rob you of your joy. With Jesus, we always, always, always have hope. Now receive these words of benediction. The Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and grant you his peace. Amen. Amen.